Today on my sabbatical, I'm in uh, Hawaii. Well, not quite, but um, I pray you're praying for me that this would be a productive time. Today, you're going to be blessed as one of our shepherds, Tom Harbin, shares with us. What a blessing we've all experienced when Tom and Sue moved back to this their home area a few years ago and joined up with the Landmark Church. Tom is certainly one of the most evangelistic people I have ever met. He is always sharing our, his faith. He, he also, um, just to truth, you know, in advertising, is really into snakes. So he is our only snake handling elder. Please go spread that. You're going to be blessed by just the spontaneity, the sincerity, the um, authenticity of Tom Harbin as he shares God's Word with you today. With you this morning, I just look around to see the people who have chosen to love, not Sue, but Sarah. And uh, Sarah, you need to have a chat with Buddy and get that. Um, her mother never could remember her name, so she always called her Sally, so I called her Sally. So she answers to most anything. So just love her and uh, she'll be good. Need to get a couple of things out of the way before we uh, get into our lesson this morning. Uh, I did not bring any snakes with me, okay? Aw, who said that? <laughs> But I'm not going to promise that we won't talk about them just a little bit. The other thing that I want to uh, say to you on behalf of Sarah and myself is thank you for the love that you have shown to our family. Thank you for accepting us as family. Thank you for making us feel a part here. When we came back to Montgomery some six years ago, we were looking for a church family. And we desperately wanted to find a church family, but we did not want to look for a church that had a great preacher. We got that as a bonus. But we looked for a family who was serious about the mission that God has put us on and a place that we could fit into that and work right alongside of that family. And you guys have just filled by far any of our expectations that we could have had to find a home, a church home, and to, uh, to be loved like we are. I just want to say a uh, thank you also to um, Gary and Sheena. And uh, they relentlessly pursued us to come and give Landmark a chance. And we were determined not to for reasons we won't go into this morning. But they relentlessly pursued us in a, just a kind and gracious and loving way. Of course, Gary is, is uh, Sarah's first cousin, so we've known them for coming up on 50 years, right? And uh, so we've had a great relationship pre-Landmark, but it was just natural for them to love on us and uh, to invite us to be a part of what's going on here. You know, it's just kind of odd how I ended up here this morning. And uh, am I nervous? Yes. Are we going to press through? Yes. Uh, I think when Doug shook my hand this morning coming in, he said, your hand is freezing. <laughs> I said, well, I'm nervous, you know, so... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get over that and, and we'll be fine. Um, in one of our elders meetings a couple of months ago, I guess, when we were talking about Buddy's sabbatical, and he said, I would love for a couple of our shepherds to be a part of the teaching um, while I'm away. And something just welled up inside of me. I said, 
I think I should do that. So we'll find out here in just about 20 minutes if that was a good idea or not. Um, But I do look forward to sharing with you. Guys, we're headed this morning. There's nothing in your handout, an outline. I'm not good at at filling in the blank kind of thing uh, like Buddy does, which I love. Uh, But I just couldn't come up with something that I felt like would be appropriate uh, this morning and to serve you well. But there's a passage in the New Testament, John, the fourth chapter, when Jesus is meeting with the woman at the well, and the men had gone to town to find something to eat. Again, they missed the whole point. They missed a great opportunity to watch Jesus at work. But John 4.32, when they came back, their main concern was, Jesus, here, have something to eat. And his statement back to them was, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. That is a fascinating response to them. And he goes on to explain to them what he meant. And we're going to fill in some flesh around that verse this morning as we spend time together. Um, spent part of the evening last night with, with, with the Dupree's uh, at the Vince Gill concert, which was marvelous. Bunch of us old fogies, you know, bunch of old hippies were there and... Uh, It was just a sweet, sweet evening. And I did not know that I needed to be there to help me finish my lesson this morning. One of the things that Gil was talking about, he said he and Kenny Rogers were interviewed by somebody. I don't even think he called the name that interviewed them, but he was interviewing Kenny at that point. He says, you've had a lot of great and successful records. You've been a very successful artist. He said, I see you have a new album coming out. He said, don't you hope that's as successful as the other ones? He said, no. And I'm sure that was like, what? No. He said, I want it to be significant. And boy, that just perks my ears up. And I pray that this morning that what we share will be something significant that you will take away to use in your life, to use in your walk with Jesus, to use as you spend time with the people in your life. Don't we all want to make a difference in life? Yeah, right, Paul? We all want to make a difference. And, uh, and you do in your own way. Whether it's uh, a good memory that you create on a vacation or whether it's to raise a family that can take care of themselves, that can nurture their children, nurture their spouses in the good grace of Jesus Christ to make someone's life happier or better to provide for a family, to provide for a spouse. But ultimately, above all that, for there to be significance, we must introduce them to the story of Jesus. And we must introduce people that we want to make an impact in our life, whether it's family or friends or coworkers, the story of God. And there's a great story. You know, I have talked in our life group some about that and, and tried to uh, encourage us to how can you tell the story in two or three sentences that is found in the Bible? And it's actually pretty simple, isn't it, David? I'm talking to David Price over here. And David does such a great job of, of sharing the story of, of God. You know, it begins in the garden and, and God loved every bit of his creation, whether it's people or animals or the whole universe that he created. And what did he say? He said it's good. And that didn't last but just for a few days or a few moments or just a short time. And Adam and Eve took the fall for us. We would have done it for them had we been there, 
But there was a great divide between God and his creation, and he had to separate himself from his creation. He began that day trying to bring them back into relationship with him, and that continues to this day, the falling away and the being wooed back, and the falling away and being wooed back. And you and I are a part of that story, just like Adam and Eve. He has written a book. He has written 66 books that we have today that tell that same story. His unceasing effort and love at all costs to bring us back into a relationship with him. And guys, that's the story that we need to get across to people in two or three words or in our life or two or three sentences because it's pretty simple. Is there a lot of complicated things in there? Many, many things that I don't understand, but I do know that above all, he wants to be with you and he wants to be with us for eternity. And what better gift could there be to introduce someone to? As we read through these stories, these 66 books that he's given us, we find many people in there that, on the one hand, oppose him. They do not want him to be successful, God to be successful, or Jesus to be successful. But on the other hand, we find lots of stories who people who were convicted and changed and captivated by his story and by his son to join him in his efforts to reach a lost and uh, a lost world. Just to name a few, and, and these are just highlights that you know, but as we try to pull this story together, you think about Isaiah. What did Isaiah say? God said, who are we going to send? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Do you stand up like that and say, here I am, send me? The woman at the well, we're going to spend some time uh, in that story this morning as we looked at verse 32 there about the food that the disciples knew nothing about. When she understood that this was the Messiah, this was the Christ that they had been looking for, what did she do? She went straight home and told everyone that she saw, come and see this man. He has told me everything about my life. Peter and John, we're going to spend a few minutes with them this morning too. Interestingly enough, they were a part of the story with the woman at the well. But what was their part? We got to go to Wendy's. We got to get some burgers. I'm hungry, you know. Let, let's let, let's get out of here. And they missed such a great opportunity to be with Jesus and the woman there. In chapter four of the book of Acts, we read that we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot help but speaking. In chapter five, after a flogging, the very last verse in in chapter five of Acts, it said they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news. Paul, what does Paul say over and over and over? But in the uh, Second Corinthians, he said, for the love of Christ compels me to speak about him and to be an ambassador for him. And Jesus himself, he said this in a different way, and I'm going to say this verse again and again. I have food to eat that you know nothing about, and he goes on to tell us what that food is, is to do his will and to finish his work. We see just a handful of people here who had such a strong conviction concerning God's work that they were compelled to join him in reaching these people who had wandered away from a relationship with God. I do not understand a lot about what God has done or will continue to do uh, in the story as as it uh, unveils. Dan, you're making me nervous down here. What's going on? Okay. (laughs)
Thank you. That's all better. How's it sound now, Jeremy? Is it okay? All right. Woo! Okay. Not what I planned. As I look around this group of people that are gathered here this morning, I just have to know that we brought a lot of things into this gathering. We brought things that we're happy about, that we're celebrating. There's going to be something really cool happening in second service. If you want to go to church twice today, come on back. There's going to be something very cool. There's going to be something very cool to take place in this service too, so let's don't play it down. But in addition to the people who are celebrating and are joyful about something, there's got to be a number of people who brought with them some discouragement, some sadness, some hurt. Maybe you're just out of gas. Maybe you're just tired. Maybe you've lost your way. Maybe you're angry about something. Maybe you're dealing with loss or concerned about a spouse that's over in the hospital this morning with pancreatitis like Leanne. So we bring a lot of stuff into the room this morning as we are together. But when you're going through any of these things like the hurting and the wounded, you're part of a family that cares about you. And that should never be taken for granted. For the folks that are here this morning that are desperate in some way or you're lonely, feeling left out or something, God has made you a part of a family here that comes alongside you during those times. When you're discouraged, when you're tired, when you're burned out, we have a Savior and a friend to turn to. A Savior that cared enough to create this family at Landmark for you to be a part of so that you can be taken care of and feel His warmth and His love. We are a cross-section of our community. The things that we brought into this room or that are a part of our life today, the, the, the good and the bad and the ugly, are just like the people that we live with every day. The big, big difference is a lot of those people are not connected to Jesus. And they're just out there on their own without a savior, without a friend, without a family to walk through life with them. And I think that's sad, I think that's tragic, and I hope that makes a different difference to us when we realize that what we're struggling with and what we have to work with that that if they don't have Jesus, they don't have that. It reminds me of a, really probably one of my favorite passages in the New Testament, Matthew 11, verse 28. And the way the message says that, <clears throat> he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? He says, come to me. And this is a very personal invitation. He says, come to me and get away with me. You will recover your life, and I will show you how to take a real bona fide rest. Jesus is always relevant, and he understands everything that we're going through. If this resonates with you this morning, those same words would resonate with the people around you as you have opportunity to share this story and message with them. I'd like for us to take just a few minutes and explore how you and I can be a part of that. Many of you are, most of us, in fact, all of us are a part of that sharing the good news about Jesus in some way. But maybe there's other ways that we can grow in as individuals and as a family how to share the good news of the story of Jesus Christ. And yes, unashamedly, we're going to be talking about sharing our faith this morning, being more 
courageous and be more uh, bold about sharing our faith and talking to other people about what God is doing. Think about what you really get excited about. What's your juice? That's a good word for me. What are you passionate about? What gets you all revved up? Is it, is it your hobbies? Is it art? Is it Alabama football for some of you? Is it whatever gets you all juiced up? Is it music? Like last night, Ed, we couldn't help but be all juiced up last night. Amen, brother. You know, uh, listening to the stories of heart that Vince shared with us last night through music. Is it collecting on and on and on? Is letting others know about Jesus on that list of where you get your juice from? Does it motivate you? Does it stir you? Before I became a a believer, before I uh, was saved, I was really passionate about three things. One of them was music, especially the Beatles. Another one was guitars and baseball, imitating my heroes like Mickey Mantle, and of course, snakes. I was fascinated with snakes from the day uh, I caught my first one when I was six years old and still am fascinated and, and enthusiastic about that. But I was never excited about talking about Jesus in my life during those times. I had very little idea that when I showed up at Auburn University just right up the road as a junior in college in 1972, that that would change the trajectory of my spiritual life. I went up there to become a veterinarian. I did not go up to Auburn to become a follower of Jesus. Surprise, surprise, what happens? Two guys, Jeff Doty and Bob Linderman, tracked me down, looked me up. I was on some list somewhere that I had been to a Church of Christ uh, in my life, and they tracked me down, befriended me, and shared the good news of Jesus with me, and I became a believer. From that day on, I was just pumped up and juiced about that, and I thought that's what believers did, just like the woman at the well. They just went home and told everybody what had just happened or who I had just met. And so that has just burned in my heart ever since that day. One of the things I remember vividly uh, as I began to search search, uh, the Bible, search the scriptures, in this little Bible, I bought this Bible in 1973, and it is kind of pitiful. If it falls apart, uh, Jeremy, come help me pick up the pages, please. Philemon, verse 6, in the, the first two translations of the NIV, they've changed this a little bit uh, since then. But Paul says to Philemon, his son, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Jesus Christ. And and that was like rocket fuel for me. I'm saying, let me go back and read that again. He's saying, if I'm active in sharing my faith, if I'm active in participating in the faith with other believers, will he give me a greater understanding and appreciation and blessing of every good thing that we have in Jesus Christ? Well, that's what he says, right? So we've got to believe that. So we just fanned that fire just a little bit more as I trusted that scripture as I trusted what Paul had to say there. Now, that being said, uh, we're all human, right? We all get distracted. We all wane and wax in our fire, in our passions. And I'm not always excited about sharing my faith with other people. I mean, 
I'm, I'm going to accept the truth about me. But as I know that that's a fact, there's several things that I go to where I can find the encouragement, the courage. and the desire to trust and depend on God's Holy Spirit to give me the words, to give me the eyes to see people as I need to see people, to give me the ears to listen, to give me the patience with people, to give me the understanding of the, the surroundings that I live in so that I might be able to reach other people. We're going to look at two stories very quickly, the the woman at the well, then we're going to be able to look a little bit deeper at Peter and John in the book of Acts, uh, because I believe that the deep drive that this woman had, that Jesus had, that Peter and John had, has to be a supernatural compulsion, a compelling to open our mouth and to reveal our lives and to talk to people about him. We won't take the time to read. You really need to read the whole chapter of John 4 to get the picture of when Jesus encountered the woman at the well. Verse 3 says, now he had to go through Samaria. And I take that to mean that instead of doing the natural route to not have to walk through Samaria, because as the scripture tells us that the Jews hated the Samaritans, he said, I had to go through Samaria. He had an appointment. He had purpose to go and meet this woman at the well. I believe that with all of my heart. He found the well. He sat down at the well. This woman shows up. He was tired. They had walked a long way uh, in the hot sun and in the desert, uh, as that land is. And he asked the woman, it would be awkward for me if I were to ask a person who I didn't like, who I just was naturally repulsed to, um, racially and, and different, uh, you know, regions to live in. He said, please give me a drink. How awkward would that be? But how easy was that? Do you struggle with an opening line with someone? Well, what about if you're, you're all thirsty, you're on break at work, and, and aren't you hungry? Isn't this good to just sit down for 15 minutes and just take a break? Jesus sat down and took a break with a woman who made a trip to the well every day. And it does say here that, including Peter and John, that they had left to go to town to buy some food. There's a lot of conversation that takes place between Jesus and the woman. Jesus reveals himself to her uh, as Jesus, as the Messiah, as the one who is sent, and, and she believed. Now, Many people that we meet have already been prepared for the story that you're going to tell them. This woman talked to him and says, we're waiting on Messiah. He's he's coming, Uh, even though they were the Samaritans, said, we know about Messiah and we're waiting to him. Immediately, the woman, about the same time the disciples show up with the food, the woman is leaving and going back home. And she goes home and tells all the people about the man that she had met. And they came. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. You know, it, it, it's probably not much surprise to me because I'm the same way when something significant is going on and I'd rather say, Sarah, be quiet. That's my favorite song on the radio. And she's trying to tell me something that I probably need to hear. The disciples had a chance to watch the Savior in action to work out the salvation of this woman and her family members and they were worried about something to eat. 
And again, Jesus went on to explain to them what sustains him. He said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. It was a teaching moment to prepare these men for the kingdom work that they were going to do later. He said, my food is this. And I think we, we need to latch on to this. In verse 34, uh, John chapter 4, verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And it's pretty clear, Jesus said in Luke 19, 10, for the son of man, which was him, came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus was very concerned about the present and the future harvest because he knows that that woman had gone back to tell what had happened and he sees the people coming. A lot of people came out to hear him. Verse 39, because of her testimony, many Samaritans believe. They asked him to stay for a few more days and he stayed two more days with the people and many, many more believed and and became uh, followers of Jesus that way. It seems very strange to me that sharing our faith can be food. Does that seem strange to you? It, it, it really doesn't come up naturally for us. But Jesus says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. His appetite, his greatest appetite, even though he was tired, thirsty, hungry after a long journey, was to do his Father's will and to finish his work. Do you wonder what it would be like to join him in this harvest that he talked about in John chapter 4? It reminds me of a a day in in mine and Sarah's life when a woman that we did not know, and we did not know that she had come to the well for a drink, but she showed up at our office. Sarah and I ran a vet practice in uh, Tennessee for 35 years. We lived there for 37 years. But a, a lady, Melina Powell, showed up. And she says, I see that y'all have a a busy practice here. Y'all see a lot of dogs and cats, and I'm a groomer. And, you know, we said, we don't need a groomer. We always have trouble with groomers. That cause problems. I see somebody shaking their head over there. Is that true? (laughs) We hired her to use some space in our clinic to do her grooming. We worked out of financial arrangements. Well, in a short amount of time, Melina and her daughter, Tessa, began to come to church with us. A little time after that, Melina and her daughter, Tessa, began coming to our house on Sunday nights for the Bible study that we were having in our home. And I guess we called that a life group. I don't know what we called it, really. It's it's been a while now. But they began coming to church. They began coming to a Bible study in our house. And as God would know it, in time she wanted to be baptized. But she didn't want to just be baptized at church. She wanted to be baptized out at Woods Reservoir, which was one of the three lakes that surrounded uh, the town of Manchester there uh, in Coffee County. So she wanted to be baptized in Woods Reservoir. Now, several of the people that knew Melina from our office wanted to come out to the lake that day and just observe the baptism. And uh, Melina brought some friends with her. And so Melina was baptized. We walked out into the lake, you know, uh, up to our waist, and Melina was baptized. And so who steps up next? Tessa steps up. She said, I want to be baptized too. So we talked with Tessa there and and just uh, shared the gospel with her and see if she was ready and she was ready. So Melina was baptized. Uh, Tessa was baptized after Melina was baptized. Well, another young lady that had come with the family says, I want to be baptized too. 
And so we just had a baptism fest that day. There, there was several, either five or six people that were baptized that day. When people come to the well to drink, don't deny them the drink that they came for. One other thing that makes that such a memorable day in my life is by the time we had baptized the second or third one, everybody on the shore came into the lake waist deep with us and really participated in a very physical and spiritual way with the baptism ceremony that day. My life has never been the same since and my hunger certainly has deepened since the day that we baptized all those people in Woods Reservoir. Now we're going to spend just a couple of minutes on the story of Peter and John. We've, we've uh, related to them just for a moment. But Peter and John were called into the Sanhedrin after doing an act of kindness. They had healed a crippled beggar and they were called in and they were told this by the rulers and the elders, not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And they responded, we cannot help but speaking about what we have heard. And as we said a moment ago, a little later in chapter 5, they were flogged and ordered again not to speak in the name of Jesus. But they never stopped teaching or proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. You know, I think many times we think that this is just sort of an apostle thing. You know, that was just how the apostles did things. Well, I just believe that's one of the worst things we can believe. This is for us. So where did they find the courage and the encouragement and the fortitude to share like they did in spite of really being threatened uh, for life? Number one, they had been with Jesus, as it says in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Has anybody in this room ever been with Jesus physically? No. But have you been with him spiritually? Gary, the last um, life group that we had, uh, one of the members of our group is Miss Marianne Venable. Does everybody know Miss Marianne? What a precious, precious soul. She never says much. She waits till the very end of our life group, and then she says, well, you know, and she starts talking in such a gentle and kind way. She says, I get up every morning, and I have a conversation with Jesus and God before I get my day started. Now, you can say that in a lot of different ways. You can say, I got up and I had my devotional. I got up and I read my scripture and we prayed. And, and that's okay. I'm not saying, let's don't do that, right? But the way that Miss Marianne presented that in such a sweet, quiet, tender way, I get up every morning, me and God talk. We hang out together. Guys, we can spend time with Jesus in a way that is fresh and real. Just because it's not physical doesn't mean that it's not real. So that is one thing that they did. They spent time with Jesus. When they listened to Jesus' talking, he interrupted their way of life, their way of thinking. This old way, the law, the Sabbath. They had witnessed the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And by faith, they realized that this was the real deal. One of the verses we did not point out in John chapter 4, he says, open your eyes. Don't you see the harvest in front of you? They had had their eyes open by the time we got into the book of Acts. You too can have your eyes open. They trusted the Holy Spirit for their words, timing, courage. They said that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
which all believers have that promise in Acts 2. They took his charge seriously when he told them before he was taken back to heaven, go into all the world and make disciples. And I believe just like them, we have that same opportunity. You know, we don't have to share our faith, but guys, we get to. There's a huge difference between having to and get to. There's opportunities all around us to uh, share the good word, to share the good news. I was at a snake show about three weeks ago in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. I didn't even know there was a Lafayette, Louisiana until there were snakes. When I go to a reptile show for the weekend, we go in on Fridays, we do our setup, I take my critters with me and I have my lights and all that stuff. You may not want to know about this, but hang on, okay, just hang on just for a minute. And after setup on Friday night, two of my friends, both of them named Brandon, which is confusing to me anyway because I can understand why Buddy would call Sarah Sue, maybe. But anyway, they asked me, hey, let's go out to eat. We're done, you know, nobody else is coming in. So we did. We went out to eat that night, ate some good Mexican food, and uh, really enjoyed the conversation. So Saturday, after the show was over, and after all the customers had left and, and the doors had closed, they came up and asked me again, hey, let's go out to eat again tonight. You, you got anything to do? I said, you know, and here I go into wine mode. I'm just tired, you know. I, I, I've, I've got some things that I need to do, which was a lie, by the way. But I was trying to make a, a, a reasonable excuse just so I could go back to the room and just do nothing. They said, oh, okay, we understand. You're old. You know, we understand how that goes. And, uh, yeah, they said that. <laughs> um, I, I no sooner got back to my table, which was like walking from here to the corner of the auditorium here. I said, what a fool I was. What a jerk I was. And I felt God just stirring up in me. He said, you go right back over there and say, where are we going? And so I did. Now, Brandon uh, C. was sitting over here by me, and, and, and Brandon M. was sitting across the table from me. And toward the end of the meal, uh, Brandon, who was sitting by me, which I've known for a longer period of time, he put his hand over on my arm, and he's, he had tears in his eyes. He said, Tom, I've had the worst year of my life. That was really kind of awkward. We, there were eight of us at the table, and he was not ashamed to, to reach out to me and tell me that. He said, I've had the worst year of my life. And this is a man who had served twice in Afghanistan, who had been through an ugly divorce years before. And to say that the last year, which involved neither one of those two things, had been the worst year of his life, I was saying, okay, this must be bad. So I, I, I sort of leaned back in my chair and I said, hey, what's going on, Brandon? And he began to tell me what was going on. I spent most of my time listening, but before that conversation was over, I had the chance to share the gospel with Brandon right there in the middle of the restaurant with seven other people at the table, about two hours worth, and guess what? Not a one of them left. So not knowing that I was brought to that place to share the gospel with Brandon, seven other people got to hear the gospel at the same time. And this is real humbling to me, and how in the world God puts us in places like that but sometimes we got to listen, right? we got to open our eyes to the harvest and not say no and whine and I'm tired and I need to go back to my room. The other Brandon across the table, I did not know as well. He came up to me Sunday morning. He said, Tom, he said, he said I've got to tell you the rest of the story. He said, I've been trying to talk to Brandon for, for months and years now. He said, I'm just not getting through. 
And he said, you said things tonight that I could never have said to him. So I'm just saying in a way that, you know, God uses Dan for a season, and then he might use you for a season, and he might use me for a season to work in a person's life to bring them into a relationship. Want to open your eyes and just see the harvest out there. But you got to get out. You have to go out intentionally. You got to be doing some things. You got to be around people. I just wonder, these words came to me several months ago. I just wonder how many of us is all we do is church things around church people. And if we do, we're not going to come in contact with those who don't know Jesus. But we got to get out and get in contact with those people who don't know him. One of the things we did in Tennessee. Um, I said, you know, I love to play guitar. I said, it'd be a great thing to just teach guitar lessons at church. I mean, how about that, Jeremy? Let's just, let's have a guitar lesson. Well, 30 people showed up the first night. I said, oh no, I have really They were all introduced to Jesus Christ because guess what kind of music we taught? We taught worship songs. A lot of, you know, Chris Tallman and, and on and on and on. Guys, there's so many different ways that we can reach out to touch people and bring glory to Jesus. And you will find food, you will find sustenance that you have never known about before in your life. Guys, I wish I had an hour to talk to you. I am so full of this. Um, but we're going to shut it off right here. We'll have a chance to talk uh, a little more as we get along. We're going to have what we call an invitation song in just a few minutes, and it's going to be a couple of elders down front to receive you. If there's prayers that you would like for us to share with you, if there are concerns that you have, we would love to pray with you and support you and walk alongside you. If there are those that are here that are tired and worn out and just out of gas, this might be a good time for you to come down and just ask for prayer, ask for someone to walk with you. If there's folks here who have never given their life to Jesus Christ, this would be a great time to do that too. So we have a song. We're going to stand together. And let's do that now. And please come if there's anything that we can do with you.